Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, and I are recording this on Wednesday, June 24th. Um, so, Dan, the school year has officially ended for you, right? Yeah, we've been. I've been out for a good month at least, if not a little bit longer. Okay. So it, it's been it's been an interesting summer. Definitely not the usual because you can't travel really as much, or it's not advised to. And um, but this is the first summer in about twelve years I haven't taught summer school, so that's been a nice break. Well, but at the same time, I can for anybody who's been paying attention to your teaching uh, with Star Wars column over at StarWars.com. The, the, the education continues. I, I have to admit, I, I've really been loving uh, this, this now weekly series of columns. Uh, the one that just dropped today was uh, what about Ray and the challenges of entering outside your comfort zone, right? That's right. And the, that the, the power is, I mean, it does kind of mirror the, the Campbellian refusal of the call and, and how many people, and I noticed this in, you know, when I was younger and my children too, at first blush, when you're asked to do something or you need to do something that you're not used to, or you're not comfortable with, it's scary. And there's a lot of discomfort there. And sometimes people just won't even attempt it. And I think that's uh, an important journey that you have to take. I, but the other thing, frankly, what I've been enjoying about this is you're not, you know, you're an equal opportunity uh, teacher here. It, it's You don't just concentrate on the films. We've had pieces just over the last month or so where you touched on Lessons from the Clone Wars, likewise Rebels, even the prequels. Yeah. So, uh, no, I just, I, I have to admit, I, I, I've really been enjoying them. Though, um, <laughs> important distinction uh, between the column you just did today about Rey and, you know, the lesson she learned uh, as part of The Force Awakens is there's a difference between moving outside of one's comfort zone and, and abandoning safety practices, which... Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a transition right there. I like that. Well, that it's, I'm subtle though. Did you notice how subtle yes, that was? Very smooth. There we go. Um, well, look, I'm I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. Again, you just like me have to be disappointed that uh, this year's Star Wars celebration, uh, which was to be held in uh, August 27th through the 30th at the Anaheim Convention Center, uh, was canceled back on June 15th, uh, and. Uh, event organizers were very upfront about the reasons. Uh, they said the health and safety of our fans, attendees, exhibitors, guests, and staff is always our number one priority. And due to the global impact of the COVID-19 virus, and after speaking with local and state authorities about the latest health guidelines uh, related to indoor conventions, we have made the decision to cancel Star Wars Celebration for 2020. And... Um, upside is they at least gave us a date for when the next one is, which, uh, 2022, right? Basically kind of in the same window or. Yeah. August 18th, to the 21st, 2022. I'm, I'm very glad that that was a nice, I thought that was a very nice balm because where a mm -hmm. lot of people were disappointed, not surprised. And you and I talked about this quite a bit on the last looking at Lucasfilm. Mm -hmm. It was something that needed to happen. Of course, with the recent news about Disneyland now, it seemed even less likely that would have happened anyway. Yeah. You got to keep people safe. And quite honestly, there really isn't a ton to promote right now. Yes, they're getting ready for season two of The Mandalorian, and that's wonderful. But usually these are organized around films, mm -hmm. and there isn't a film until 2022 anyway. And, of course, I'm very disappointed. I mean, my goodness, just 
off the top of my head, I had seven specific things that I had planned for celebration alone. And those things aren't going to happen this time, but that doesn't mean they won't happen in the future. This is true. This is true. Though, to, to, to be clear here, actually, Lucasfilm will have two films dropping in uh, 2022. Oh, that the man with the hat. The man with the hat. Also, Dan's good, close-up personal friend, if we've That's seen right. that wonderful photograph. Um, I, interesting thing. Did you see David Cope's uh, interview last week uh, with The Hollywood Reporter? where he was talking about, uh, well, uh, interesting thing. He left Indiana Jones 5 uh, when Spielberg stepped away from the project in, back in February to allow uh, James Mangold, uh, the, 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 the talented gentleman behind uh, Logan, to come in and take over Indy 5. Uh, you know, David felt that it, it was only fair that, you know, James be allowed to build his own crew, or, you know, creative team and that sort of thing and, and bring in his own screenwriter. Um, but <laughs> what I kind of found kind of interesting with the Hollywood Reporter uh, story, Dan, was that he actually, in a, in a way, talked about how it was a kindness that, you know, oh, I don't have to do Indiana Jones 5 anymore. Um you know, he, he talked about, you know, the burden of when you're a writer on a, a project like, like this, you have no choice. It has to be great. Um, the, it, it's just quoting from uh, his interview in The Hollywood Reporter. First and the third film in that series were utterly beloved. And utterly beloved is a high bar. So I did a couple of versions of the last one that I thought were good. And the, the last one in particular. But it didn't quite come together. Uh, Stephen couldn't do it in the end and whatever. And it, it just didn't come together. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Um, and if there's going to be another Indiana Jones movie, I think James Mangold is a great guy to explore it. Certainly we, what he did with Logan is remarkable. And uh, along using Frank Scott's great, great script. Um, <laughs> but, but it's okay. Yeah, usually by the time... On a project like this, you either get fired or they move on to somebody else, or the the project just evolves away from you. By that time, you're secretly a little bit relieved because at least you don't have to keep banging your head against it anymore. So, you know what this reminds me of? Have you ever seen uh, the the behind the scenes Seinfeld stuff where Larry David, the co creator, would talk about whenever he got news they would renew uh, the show or they would extend the season, especially in season one. He was so frustrated and stressed out, and he thought, oh, my gosh, what am I going to come up with? What am I going to think about? Now i got to be funny again, and he was just so stressed out about it. Obviously, <laughs> he made gold, and I think Larry David is a genius. Anyway, no. it kind of reminds me of that. The, the pressure must be extraordinary. Well, yeah, and, and face it, <clears throat> you know, the, the challenge this time around, especially given, uh, you know, uh, the whole notion of you know going back to the well for the fifth time and, and you know as, as cope mentioned you know uh the original raiders and last crusade being as beloved as they are it you you still are a fan of of a uh, kingdom of the crystal skull though right or yeah it's my second favorite indie movie hmm. okay um i don't know i, I usually again, that gets more of a reaction when i say that well <laughs> you know it's just I don't know. It, it, you know the, the the weird part of uh, for me, I think one of the reasons that um, I just have trouble connecting with uh, the the you know uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the fact that so much of it is so obviously CG, whereas 
you know, I mean, half the fun for me of the, the, the first Raiders was watching Harrison Ford get, you know, dragged behind, you know, troop carriers or, oh, yeah. you know, just, you know, frantically scampering ahead of giant boulders and that sort of thing. It was very much a film, you know, again, it was, it was a loving tribute to those, those, uh, you know, those 1930s adventure serials. And, you know, and, and the fact that they did so much stuff as practically as they did. I mean, you know, there's just between the, the army ants and the waterfalls and then the flying saucer, it, it's just sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping that, that Mangold understands that's part of the appeal. And I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, just from the opening of the, the, the actual Ark of the Covenant. Uh, in the first film, I mean, you know, these, it looks these good films, still, yeah. yeah, I mean, these are special effects extravaganzas, but there's got to be a balancing act between CG and practical. And I, I just feel like with Crystal Skull, they kind of buried the needle in the wrong direction. Well, there was a lot. Of, I mean, they don't need to do CGI gophers, that's for sure. Or whatever <laughs> things are. But what I like about Crystal Skull is yeah. the fact that Indiana Jones, uh, from the third one to the fourth one, goes from being the sun. Uh, with the with the estranged father, to mm-hmm. being the father of the estranged son, and the roles are switched. He very much becomes sort of, sort of the Sean Connery figure, but with the indie swagger and, and and grit. And I just think that was a very very clever way to subvert the narrative. And I also love every time he's on screen with Karen Allen. I think they have legitimate gold, and it's actually a great showcase for how much of a wonderful actor Harrison Ford is. See, now you made me want to go watch it again. All yeah, right, you're That's, welcome. Put it on your uh, list. Nah. I just no, focus they, on Ford, and you can't go wrong. And the okay, CGI, they, yeah, I give you that. But you know, my word right. is better than someone who gives Toy Story to you know such poor billing. <laughs> oh, 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 well, okay. <laughs> that, that, what folks don't know here is that, that Dan is going to be recording uh, a, a a show later this evening with Drew Taylor, who just recently did a piece for Collider that I gave him great grief about about ranking. Toy Story 2 as the seventh most popular or the seventh best film in the Toy Story franchise. Again, you know, Dan, I, I think we may have missed that head injury moment with Drew. I mean, you think he would have brought it up. You know? I know. Well, I, I I applaud and I enjoyed the 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 grief you gave him. It was great fun. Well, I'm I'm, I'm happy to do it on your behalf. Um anyway, uh, speaking of things that have been uh pushed back, postponed. Uh, and again, another thing that, that, that Dan and I were, were legitimately looking forward to doing was the uh, Disneyland After Dark, the Star Wars night, which was going to be held on uh, opening night of this year's Star Wars celebration. Uh, in fact, I was already stressing about, you know, how little sleep I was probably going to get that night and how I was going to get through the second day of the convention. But that's no longer a problem, right? This that's has correct. been pushed off uh we don't know when uh it will be rescheduled um in fact uh dan just alluded to the other thing that uh you know uh, literally half hour out before we started recording and uh i won't bore you folks i wrote a a a a giant chunk for the show where i talked about hey we need to be ready uh because given what's happening with covid flare-ups in florida and California, that it's quite likely that both Disneyland and uh, Disney World, the reopenings of the those theme parks, which have 
you know, previously been announced that, uh, what was it? Disneyland was supposed to be reopening on, uh, July 17th. It, it's, it's birthday. And, uh, and what, uh, Walt Disney world was July 11th, uh, the magic kingdom and Disney Hollywood studios. And I want to say July 15th, uh, Epcot and, uh, the studios. Yep. And, uh, well, what happened? Uh, you know, those are still held. The Florida parks supposedly are holding other dates, but uh, as Dan and I were getting ready to record, a press release came out of uh, uh, Disneyland. Uh, do you have it there, Dan? Do you want to uh, give it a quick read? We previously announced the proposed phase reopening of our theme parks for July 17th, pending government approvals. We developed enhanced health and safety protocols for both cast and guests at Shanghai Disney Resort, Hong Kong Disneyland Resort, and Walt Disney World Resort that have been approved, allowing us to reopen in a responsible manner and bring our cast members back to work. The state of California has now indicated that it will not issue theme park reopening guidelines until sometime after July 4th. Given the time required for us to bring thousands of cast members back to work and restart our business, we will have no choice but to delay the reopening of our theme parks and resort hotels until we receive approval from government officials. Once we have a clearer understanding of when guidelines will be released, we expect to be able to communicate a reopening date. And then it goes on to say that downtown Disney District is still going to reopen July 9th, and then there's a little bit of extra stuff and thank yous. And, you know, it's it's pretty rough. I mean, I, I'm sure if you're a cast <laughs> member working, I'm, I bet it's very you're convoluted because you're on furlough. Mm-hmm. You want to get back and get paid, but you also don't want to put yourself in a dangerous spot. So it's definitely tough. But that's kind of why I think I'm not sure that Disney World will follow suit or not because this is – purely being dictated by the state of California itself. So I don't yeah, know. But but my concern, and look, uh, just over uh, the past 48 hours, and in fact, this is one of the things, the reason that California did this, uh, they had 13,000 new cases of COVID-19 just in the past 48 hours. On the other hand, earlier today, Florida reported more than 5,500 new COVID cases in the last 24 hours, which, by the way, shattered Florida's previous one-day reporting record by more than 1,500 people. Um, I, you know, it just, for me, um, you know, it, and again, you know, face it, you know, the, the interesting thing about Disney is it understands its relationship with the public, that, you know, they, think about it, you know, whenever you know, people go to Disney, the Disney theme park, they talk about how clean they are. And, you know, that, that, you know, the elaborate safety mechanisms and that sort of thing. So that they're, they're really desperate to maintain that reputation. And, you know, COVID-19 is making that difficult. Um, So, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm especially concerned given that, you know, Florida, what with its rush to reopen it. And I, I don't, want to get political here you know you know i i completely understand why florida you know rushed to come back rushed to come back you know the tourism industry there is a huge part of that state's bottom line but um but if you you talk with the folks back in burbank who look at disney's uh corporate headquarters they they genuinely believe that florida uh kind of dropped the ball here bobbled the reopening of the state and you know, the, the fear is that the only way to contain COVID, uh, and, and let's be honest here, there's also 22 other states that have had flare-ups of COVID just over the past week. 
um, yeah. you know, that we, we may have to do a reset of the, the stay at home, shelter in place, safer at home thing, uh, which, you know, that is going to make it difficult to reopen the parks. Um, anyway, well, they, I mean, I was listening to you guys talking about the NBA too, and I've got quite a bit of background on this one as well, but mm-hmm. that's a tough one because, you know, the NBA was all set to kind of go back in their bubble, but they've got some players from the Lakers and, um, uh, Dwight today. Howard not yeah. wanting to play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's it's problematic now for the Major League Baseball. It's a little bit different because you've got uh, someone like Jared Cole, Garrett mm-hmm. Cole, who's uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball in the Cy Young two years in a row. Mm-hmm. He wants to play, but the problem is his wife is mm-hmm. pregnant. So yeah. you, you go out and then do all that, and then you come home, and, you know, that's just a risk that no one wants to take. Plus, the, the other alternative is he doesn't get to see his family for months. So... I mean, this is not only affecting theme park goers and fans of the Lucasfilm franchise, but people from all across the spectrum. No, absolutely. And in fact, it's, it's interesting you bring up the Laker player because uh, he his explanation is like, look, I have a six year old yeah. who's, you know, has has had trouble recovering from respiratory, respiratory illnesses. That's right. And it just, you know, I mean, and, and you can't argue with that. You, you know, it's no. just sort of like a guy has put. Uh, his family first, and that's what you're supposed to do. So, and it means even more because the Lakers, uh, everyone pretty much expects him to win the championship. So he's mm-hmm. basically saying, "I would forgo a ring to for my family," which is incredible and really what it should be. No, no, that's it exactly. All right. So anyway, I know we're making people crazy here by talking about COVID again. So, oh, <laughs> Dan, we're making a hard right here. And we're an out. We're an outlet and a, a safe place to land. There we go. Okay. Um, so talk to me about the Star Wars Squadron uh, play video that dropped uh, this past week. What do we think? I mean, it looks gorgeous. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got tons of in-world connections and Easter eggs, and mm-hmm. uh, this really takes the whole notion of the old X-Wing or TIE Fighter PC games from the mid-'90s to another level because now you get to operate uh, through the PlayStation and it looks glorious. I'm assuming it'll be canonically tied into things. Um, you have a, a bunch of different story modes. There's actually like a six-minute trailer. I think it's six minutes or so, showing yeah. all the in-game different mm-hmm. things you can do, all the different ways you can customize pilots, the different modes themselves, which I know we're going to talk about. And it looks great. I'm personally not a big flyer pilot type of guy. I pr- much prefer the Battlefront stuff. Mm-hmm. But... I do think it looks gorgeous and it's going to make a lot of people really happy. And EA has really doubled down on star Wars. So this is great. Well, it's, it's interesting. You bring up uh, the battlefront game because evidently uh, it was while they were working on this and, and you talked about the flying games of the 1990s. Uh, it was a bunch of guys who were being nostalgic about that, that, you know, how much they enjoyed those, but the, the one piece that they were missing was, the chance to actually be in the cockpit, be the one who was doing the flying. So, uh, you know, it just, and I guess for me, what I find kind of ironic about this is, you know, uh, uh, Star Wars Squadron isn't going to be out uh, till October of this year, October 7th to be exact. And uh, as you mentioned, Xbox, PC, and the PS4, uh, a $39.99 price point. But did you see just today, they brought back uh, the Star Wars Episode One Racer game uh, yeah. for the Nintendo Switch and PlayStation Four. 
pretty fun that's that's a very very nostalgic game a lot of the fun of episode one i noticed a lot of the fun of the star wars films are kind of surrounded by these video games it's going to bring back a lot of memories for certain generations of people but to be honest i'm more excited about the complete skywalker saga lego game that's coming out later in this year wow i i I, that got by me now mind you i did see the the announcement of uh what is it the amazon exclusive uh lego the mandalorian razor crest set um a thousand twenty three pieces um i you know i i I have to admit i am sorely tempted just because of the minifigs what we we have the mandalorian grief carga uh the ig11 uh Mm -hmm. you know the, the the uh, you know, uh, bounty hunter plus the child who looks <laughs> what he looks like a piece high. I mean, just teeny tiny, yeah. teeny, teeny. like um, Taylor sized. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you were. Oh, all right. I didn't say that. Um, by the way, this, this thing, it looks wonderful mm-hmm. and it was available for pre-order. Of, oh gosh. A couple months ago. And mm-hmm. I pre-ordered it the first day it came out. So, I will send you lots of photos, and maybe we'll do a video. I, I would. I I, I want to know how long this takes to put together because it just. I I have to admit, I you know this is this was the one I was sorely tempted by. I got previously I, I've looked at them and it just sort of like that looks really like too much work. Mason um, is a as a Lego Jedi master, so mm-hmm. I he and I will just open it up and he'll just go to work, man. And, and plus, Lego is the best babysitter there ever was. Wow. Okay. Okay. Just and yet still walking through a darkened room, stepping on one. You know that, that you can still say that. Yes. Not I. Not an ideal situation. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, folks. When we get back, uh, we'll continue talking about uh, the Mandalorian. And we're back. Um, okay. I. I. I, I have to admit. I Dan, Dan will corroborate this. I sent Dan a note the day that the final, the eighth episode of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, yeah, uh, aired on on Disney Plus. And early in the I, morning, we did very early. Oh yeah, I was yeah. actually, uh, you know, it was it, it was one of those days where I had to to knock out some stuff, so I was up as, as early as five thirty and figured I'm up early. My treat is I get to watch, you know. Uh, Mandalorian first, you know, the last chapter of the Mandalorian uh, behind the scenes things first thing. And uh, this one was really was the cherry on the Sunday. They had so many great behind the scenes stories, whether it was uh, Mark Hamill's cameo uh, as, you know, what, one of the droids working in 99, the uh, the the uh, bartender. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't put it together the first time I I I watched it with a the I think it was Favreau who talked about you know remember in the first film you know hey you can't bring your droids in here and that's right you know in in you know in the Mandalorian the the droids are behind the bar they're the ones serving and they they perhaps own the place um, but there was there was so many great stories whether it was the Kenner troop carrier did you notice that when it initially aired dan or? oh yeah because that thing is is somewhat of a holy grail because it, it, when it came out mm-hmm. it was something that a lot of people were interested in but i mean people like me were like well it's not in the movie that's just a, something that's still a toy and i didn't buy it and then it became mm-hmm. one of the most coveted collectibles out there 
Uh, that's always the way. It did show um, up in Rebels, but this is the first time I was ever in a live action thing, so that was cool. Yeah. But but it, at the same time, I love how they explained their conceit, you know, the whole notion that this, you know, the, basically the Mandalorian is your brother took all of the good Star Wars figures, <laughs> so yeah. you're, you're now playing with the Ugnuts and, you know, the, the IG-88 and and that they came up with this amazing story, you know, and again, you know, you know snuck in the uh, the Kenner troop carrier, you know. Um, but I, I have to say, honestly, my favorite moment out of this particular episode was them showing the members of the 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 five hundred and first five hundred first, yes, yeah, and who had no idea what they were being called in for. Um, and you know, and they, they said they, in many cases their armor looked better than what they had put together <laughs> for the show. Yeah, yeah. But I just I loved the fact that you know here's you know Favreau and and Filoni insisting on getting their picture taken with these guys that you know that that you know they they were so grateful that they turned out so the the crowd scene and that that final big battle could look as good as it did and they kept praising the fact that you know these guys know how to look great in armor they've been doing it for years that's right uh, they announced that at celebration in chicago in the man mm-hmm. and the rain panel and mm-hmm. it got an incredible amount of cheers because it's it's such a nice homage to mm-hmm. this organization has been doing a lot of charity work uh for children for years and years mm-hmm. well since the late 90s since the special editions came out yeah, but it was just it was so nice to see, you know, you know, when they take off the helmets and it's it's a mother and a daughter or, yeah. you know, um, and I just I would have never put that together. But it was such a nice moment out of a, out of a great series. And as, as I was saying at the top here, I actually sent Dan a note to the effect of I, I'm at a point where I, I think I like the Disney Gallery Mandalorian show better than the actual Mandalorian you know, because yeah. just so many great behind the scenes stories and, you know, and just made it apparent that, you know, these are guys who were working with cutting edge tech, but at the same time, they come from a place where they really love the, you know, these, this material, these shows. In that um, world. And, and, uh, and you've got, I know you've got some we're going to talk about here, but I, I, lo- I really like the one where they show kind of the start to finish of an episode and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taika Watiti, when he's interviewed, is always a, uh, make sure everybody's listening in because he's going to say something funny or insightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the stuff with the music I thought was, was particularly Oh no, that, 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 another great episode. Uh, and uh, uh, speaking of which though, that, that, um, how great was it to learn that, that, uh, you know, the X wing at, uh, Star Wars galaxy's edge, it, it, Disney's Hollywood studio. It says it's, it's not just, a proper creation. It was actually used in the making of the Mandalorian that they, it's so they, cool. They talked about basically swiping it and ran route to Florida and then having to, I guess, rip out the innards so people could actually sit inside. Um, seriously. Folks, that. Yeah. If you have not been watching the Disney gallery, the Mandalorian, you're missing some great, great stuff. Um, oh, um, we should also mention uh, the, Star Wars Mandalorian, uh, the art and imagery book that Titan was supposed to put out in March, uh, it got rescheduled for August 4th. And I just got notice, uh, in fact, just before we were doing the show here, that 
might be a little bit later. We're talking August 11th to the 19th, and I think that that has more to do, again, with the uh, the situation the publishers are dealing with. But it's coming. It's coming. But the art, it's know. always the art books. The other books mm-hmm. are coming out on time. Everything else is coming on time, but it's always art books. Rebels, you know, The Rise of Skywalker. Why always the art books? Well, I think it's, you know, I mean, I think about it, you know, the, the, the typically they're oversized. Um, so you, it, it's not a question of, you know, for example, with a, a novel, you can pack, and I thought, God, I'm, I'm hearkening back to my Barnes and Noble days, you know, that's mm-hmm. like you could put, say, 10 art books in a box where you could put 24 novels in a box. They just pack differently. Uh, they could did be. Did you work at Barnes and Noble? I did. I did. Oh, you know, I? Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, when I went back, I switched careers to become a teacher. And so mm-hmm. I spent about a year and a half uh, when I was going back to school to get my uh, teaching degree. I worked at Barnes & Noble on the weekends and when I was student teaching. Uh, well, that, that's the thing. Until I got the, uh, you know, when I moved back up to New England, uh, you know, and was just getting started writing for the web, uh, that was sort of, you know, it, it, you know, Barnes & Noble definitely made out on the deal. You know, that that's it was one of these things where I, I would get paid and then turn around and immediately buy books. So it was like, you know, that, 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 that you know, eventually I had to break up with them because, you know, that's I, I, I was definitely in the red. So um, but anyway, uh, speaking of books, um, did you see the um, the first chapter of uh, High Republic uh, Light of the Jedi that IGN? published this past week yes absolutely wonderful and almost unfair that we had to wait so long to read this first one i i i dan is not wrong uh you know i I genuinely enjoyed um the setup here now mind you you know spoilers folks if you are you know gonna go ahead and read this book uh which comes out in january uh dan and i gonna talk for a minute so or two about this so maybe either jump ahead uh or cover yours and go la 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 um <laughs> but, I, but i have to admit that the, the setup is is fascinating the whole notion of the the tragedy involving the legacy run that uh you know that there's this freighter uh with nine thousand passengers headed for the outer rim uh that's traveling through hyperspace uh something there's something ahead of them in the hyperspace lane, they have this this uh, Captain Hedda Cassette, uh, who's you know what a forty year veteran, uh, you know, and it has had lots of time behind the stick, and she does in fact manage to you know do the impossible. She manages to maneuver around the object that's ahead of them in hyperspace. But the problem is, it's a forty year old ship that's uh, you know that, that's been well maintained, but this is just one move too many, and it comes apart in um you know the hyperspace lane and and the setup of this tragedy have you ever heard anything like this before dan uh no it's i mean it's it's really really uh powerful and um you we'd wondered what something like that was going to be but it was it was pretty monumentally powerful i think no, absolutely, absolutely, and, and and as they describe, this is the moment that changes the High Republic forever. That the disaster, the destruction of the Legacy Run, is the catalyst for a galaxy-wide disaster. That that fragments of this destroyed cargo vessel coming out uh, come out of hyperspace at 
super accelerated speeds, and but they can be anywhere. That they can be at the outer rim, they can be at the galactic core, and this is when the, the Republic turns to the Jedi for help, right? Uh, you know that that's sort of the inciting yeah. event for what's going to happen with the High Republic. Exactly, um, you need you need a good inciting event or initial incident to kind of keep keep the ball rolling and get people interested. So, and, and again, this this is uh, this is why I wanted to talk with you because I think I you know again based on the that that opening chapter i'm there you know that you know i'm going to pick up you know light of the jedi the, the first day it's available to find out where this story goes from here and and it's interesting looking at the star wars films um or for that matter you know shows like star wars rebels where which have openings that pull you in that immediately get you invested in the characters in the world um and you know that that's the thing for me i think you know, I admire a lot about George Lucas. Uh, you know, there's the famous story about he writes the Journal of the Wills, the you know, the adventures of Luke Starkiller. Uh, and he, but it's what it's at that point, it's like a 12 chapter saga. Mm-hmm. And you know, he wants to make a series of films based on this. So he walks up and down the journey of the Wills looking for the easiest audience entrance point to the saga. And eventually settles on the, a new hope, um, which again, you know, has a grabber of an opening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody could argue that. Um, but you know, some of the other, you know, films, not so much. I mean, you know, though I, I, I know, you know, with your you know English teaching background and and your love of structure and writing. In fact, that's. You that's why you sucked me into Crystal Skull again. Now I got to go back and look at it from the structure's <laughs> point of view. Um, but, you know, I mean, face it, you know, Phantom Menace has some wonderful set pieces, but but how mm-hmm. do you feel about that from a story point of view? Well, I mean, it, it's always been the one out of all of them that's been the hardest to initially dive into. I remember seeing it in the theater, you know, of mm-hmm. course, the first showing, and thinking, okay, this doesn't really seem familiar. This is a little stuffy, but okay, let's just kind of see what happens. And mm-hmm. it's the most politically, overtly political mm-hmm. of all of the films. So it's a little rocky, but over time, I think our brains just kind of put it together. And, and it works great now, but it's certainly not uh, for a casual viewer. I think it's a little bit harder uh, as an inventory piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, do you think the I, same thing? Well, you know, it's just I, for me, you know, the weird thing of it is, is that when you can look at it as a, a trilogy and, you know, get a sense of, uh, you know, how the Trade Federation got played, basically, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, to create what, you know, you know, the emperor needed. Uh, it's fascinating as a whole story. But as it's a lot of exposition in that first mm-hmm. one, yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of front loading. Um, on the other hand, I have to ask, what do you think of, of, of Force Awakens? Force Awakens, I, I think, is great because it. I feel like it's it goes it grabs you with the idea that Luke is gone. I remember thinking, gasping out loud, actually gasping out loud that Luke Skywalker was missing. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of the MacGuffin or the mystery figure of mythology. And I thought that is a great way to to grab us 
old geezers who liked Star Wars, you know, since the late seventies, and we want, or we're invested in that character already. So you've you've got us glued in instantly. Whereas mm-hmm. up, someone doesn't really have a hook like that. Okay. Well, you know, for me, it, it's you know, there's a lot of the Force Awakens that is kind of a funhouse mirror version of uh, a new hope. I mean, yeah, you know, the, people have the, people have said that for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I've never really necessarily agree, but I but I see the parallels. Mm-hmm. Well, I you know, I mean, you know, Maz's cantina versus the, the cantina and Tatooine, but you know, face it, Maz changes the whole dynamic. Of, yeah. of of that environment you know it's it's you know we, we you know she's not a we don't serve you know we don't serve their kind here you know the yeah. Maz is pretty much we serve any kind here you know uh and she's not a gimmick she's she's she adds to the story absolutely absolutely and 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 likewise um you know it just there's and also face it in in much the same way um i have to say the end of um uh, the force awakens is honestly my second favorite you know film ending of the past say 20 years oh great uh the only one that kind of run parallels with that is uh the end of the second pirate movie where in the oh, last sure. 30 30 seconds barbosa comes clomping downstairs you know and where become my ship you know and it's just sort of like you know and and the movie ends at the moment you're like no and you captain know, jack like, sparrow you think is about to be eaten by this ma- massive creature yeah i mean it's just one of these things where it's like you you want the next installment to begin immediately and in much the same way the fact that ray finds luke and you know and at that moment you know offers him his lightsaber and the credits roll. And you're like, Oh, you know, I, I, I got to come back. You know, wait two years too. <laughs> and then the, the, the kicker, you know, that, that only, you can think about it, only kids today that now that, you know, the Skywalker saga has been complete, you know, inside of a minute, they can go into the very next film where he tosses the lightsaber over his shoulder. Like, meh, you yeah. know, you know, uh, think of, 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 what a, a discombobbling moment that was, you know, <laughs> you know, when, when you watch the next installment of, of, you know, that trilogy. But I don't know. I mean, uh, that's the thing. For me, you know, it's always that first part of the story that draws you in. Uh, and, you know, from, you know, the opening shot of, of New Hope where, you know, you, you, you get, you know, a, you know the, the fleeing rebel ship and you get the then the impossibly large, you know, uh, you know, star destroyer chasing after them. Uh, and, and, and the, you know, just the, the, the iconic moments of, you know, Leia, you know, hiding the, the message in R2 and then making their way through the battle to uh, the escape pod. I mean, it just, it was all just, it, it, there's such economy there, you know, there, there, there's no flab at all. And, you know, you have to wonder how much of that is, is George's storytelling. And let's be honest here, how much of that is Marsha's editing? Um, you know, so, because that's the thing I, that's my problem with the prequels is um, there. It's not as lean uh, as as you know the 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 original trilogy, 
um you know that don't get me wrong they they're wonderful buffets you know amazing visuals fun characters uh you know amazing action set pieces but you know um but not that thin you know that that really lean narrative that is constantly moving you forward totally agree it's it's a very unique way to do a story and oh i'm i'm like you said i'm i'm think this is a good way to kind of what our whistle for what we have to come in January. And my goodness, it can't come soon enough. Yeah, I agree. Very, very much looking forward to this book. Likewise, very much looking forward to the, uh, you know, season two of the Mandalorian, which, uh, and again, that that's in a weird sort of way. I, you know, I, I, it's going to sound certain to say this, but I'm really happy that we're now in this post Skywalker saga era because, all bets are off, you know, it's just sort of, you can do things like, you know, uh, what happened to the legacy run and the impact that'll happen, you know, that that'll have on, on the star Wars universe, you know, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how, where the Jedi's were and how they got to where we were, uh, you know, just as the prequels were getting underway. Uh, and, and likewise, it's going to be fascinating to watch how the Mandalorian, which is, you know, kind of in that, hammock between uh return mm. of the jedi and the force awakens and you know where they go from here True. Um, uh, well anyway speaking of, of where they go from here <laughs> dan has places to go so we need to wrap up this show um so okay uh, talk to me about what's been going on with coffee with kenobi yeah well we've been continuing our, our monday night facebook live show eight o'clock p.m central standard time on coffeewithkenobi.com slash Facebook Live or facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi. On the regular show, we've uh, been looking, of course, at different things going on in the world of Star Wars this week. We're going to chat with uh, our our lovely friend, Mr. Drew Taylor, about the Tartakovsky Clone Wars animated series. I feel like he'd be a great guy to talk about this because of his knowledge and, and understanding of how animation works anyway. And so... That's going to be a ton of fun. It, it's been it's been a good time, even though the movie on the horizon. There's always cool stuff to talk about on Coffee with Kenobi. And what about Patreon? What are, what are you doing over there? Patreon, we over our CWK Prover podcast show. We just we just did ten through six of our top ten favorite songs of all time. And this weekend, we're going to have uh, the top five songs. And again, our our top five and top ten shows continue to get a lot of great attention and buzz and people seem to be really enjoying them. So if you're interested, go to patreon.com slash coffee with Kenobi. Hmm. All right. I got to check this out. Okay. Uh, our center of the fence, uh, we got Disney dish with Len Testa. In fact, Len is down on Disney world property right now, walking around, checking out, uh, some of the just opened resorts. In fact, he did, uh, uh, for a Bandcamp exclusive show, he just did a walk around of Bay Lake Towers and the Contemporary and you know, narrowly avoided being eaten by turkey buzzards, uh, who evidently have taken over the Contemporary Hotel. Oh, wow. Uh, so just a warning there, folks, that, you know, if you're going to get a room in the garden wing when they reopen, just, you know, you might want to be upwind. Uh, let's see. Uh, you mentioned Drew Taylor. Uh, he and I just recorded a new fine tuning and have to do a new one Friday or Saturday this week. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, uh, we will be talking about this and we were talking of uh, Disney Plus shows. 
the new Into the Unknown, fro making of Frozen 2. If you liked Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, this is a show that's very much in that vein. Um, in fact, I, in a weirder sort of way, uh, it's it's a much sweatier group of people because, frankly, when you they start the Frozen 2 story, it's not going well. <laughs> you know, they are like nine months away from the premiere and they haven't yet figured out who it is exactly who's talking to Elsa, you know, the magic voice that's leading her around. It's oh, like, my goodness. No idea who that is yet. Uh, so really well worth checking out. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We're recording a brand new one of those this week. Uh, likewise, uh, Marvel Us Disney, uh, which I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here. Uh, we also have um, I Want That, Michelle Valladolid. Uh, she, in fact, she just called me today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, um, what is it, the Silverado uh, Vineyard, the Disney Family Vineyard up in Napa. Oh, great. And finally, of course, you have the show you're listening to right now, looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z, who, again, I just, I, I love that you take a story structure approach to these things. On the other hand, I really hate that you make it gave me a reason to go back to watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> I'm telling you, Harrison Ford is is does a ter has terrific performance. I mean, the guy's in incredible shape for the, his age, and he mm -hmm. he just sells it. He he subverts his role and still is the hero, and it's it's great. Okay, I will. I'll go watch it. All right, folks, if you could do me a favor while I have to watch this movie, uh, if you could help out Dan and I and head over to iTunes and not only rate and recommend looking at Lucasfilm, but likewise Coffee with Kenobi, uh, that helps uh, additional listeners find the show and, and you know that sort of thing. Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you're hearing here tonight, uh, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, um beyond that dan as always i've been enjoying uh the stuff you're, you're posting on social media if uh folks are looking for you there how do they find you yeah you can find me on twitter at mr zehr m-r-z-e-h-r on twitter and then cough with kenobi's on twitter instagram facebook pinterest and youtube okay and our social media let's see uh Find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And I guess it's the news for now. So uh, thanks for listening. And Dan and I will be back with a new Looking at Lucasfilm in two weeks or so. And hopefully by then we'll know what's going on with Walt Disney World.